Producer Jean here. Sister Heather and Michelle had planned on recording this week's podcast while they were all in one room together at the Royal Retreat just outside of Vancouver in British Columbia. Unfortunately, Michelle's flight was over three hours late, which prevented them from recording a show. So this week instead, we have the talk that Heather gave Saturday night at the retreat. During the talk, she references two videos. You don't need to see the videos to get the gist of what she's talking about, but if you'd like to see those videos, we've included them on the website. All you need to do is go to abidingtogetherpodcast.com and click on the link for episode 15, season three. Enjoy today's show. This is a Pasco Media production. Please visit pascomedia.com. a lot already. You've only been here really like a day. <laughs> like a whole day and it feels like a lot longer. I know I feel that way when I go on a retreat or something or when I don't have all my kids with me or I'm just like out of my element. It's like everything sort of slows down. Like you're just like, holy smokes, you get to accomplish a lot. I'm like, I can have a full conversation without interruption. That's major in my world, you know? Anyway, what a blessing. <clears throat> what a blessing it is to be together and to be here. Um, the theme for the talk tonight is intimacy. And what an appropriate theme, given that we're going to have adoration tonight and that we're going to have some time of intimacy with God. And as I took time to reflect on this particular topic, um, I, I thought of the two main ways that God has revealed himself to us, the two primary analogies that God has used to reveal his love for us and his desire for relationship with us. And the first one would be the parent-child. He has revealed himself as a father, that he's not just Yahweh or I am or, you know, these words that are powerful that show that he's God, but kind of distant and removed. He wanted us to know that he's a father and we are his children. So this is the relationship that we can look at um, to learn more about God and his love and his desire for us. And then the second one is the spousal relationship, the marriage between a man and a woman. And God has used that analogy all throughout scripture as well, Song of Songs and all throughout God is using that. And he used it um, as well in the scripture that we gave to you. Let's see if this clicker works. Hold on a second. Hey. So we're going to start with this declaration, this scripture, um, which was on the card that we gave to you this morning, which has kind of been the driving scripture for this weekend, as I said earlier. But you could just imagine this being spoken to you as you listen to these words from God. Just insert your name instead of Zion. Just think I'm saying your name. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. 
and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. That is a powerful word that God is speaking to you. Because we know and we've heard that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that his word is forever. So he didn't just say this, you know, several thousand years ago, just by accident. He said this for all time and for each one of us. So this is something that we've given to you because I want you to sit with this scripture when you go home. I hope you'll frame it or stick it on your bathroom you know, mirror or something, that you'll look at it, that you'll read it, that you might even memorize it, and that you would let these words sink deep into your heart. There's something about the parent-child relationship, and this is what I want to focus on at the beginning of this talk, because it's such a beautiful analogy of the love that God has for us. We've talked about adoption a little bit this weekend, that we are adopted daughters and sons um, of God. And so because he's the king and he's adopted us into his family, we too now have his royalty. We belong to his family. And so when we sing songs like, let the king of my heart, well, the king of your heart is your king, and you belong in his family. So you are a queen. And this isn't something like we just talk about like women empowerment. <laughs> Let's just, we're going to be queens, you know. This is real. This is the most real story ever. It's the most true story. We hear a lot of things, and we can try to convince ourselves a lot of things, a lot of positive thinking. This is not positive thinking. God's sending us some positive vibes. This is truth. This is deep truth about our identity. He has adopted us, and there's something about adoption that is so beautiful in that the child is chosen. Every time, they're chosen. When Michelle adopted her two kids, you know, we were journeying with them through that whole time. There's so, so many times I'm just listening to her and I would just cry. Like, there was so many tears, there was so much turmoil as she's like birthing these children in her heart. And she was choosing them over and over and over again until they were home, finally. So I wanted to show you just a little story of adoption that I think captures some of the elements that I want to talk about tonight. And I want you to look at this video about adoption and also hear the voice of God in this story. Hear the heart of God as a parent. See how the parents interact with this child. There is so much about, when I saw that story, I was like saying, like at my kitchen table, my dogs were looking at me like, what? Because there's so much in this, it, it touches your heart. I'm not showing this to you to make you cry or to stir something. I'm showing you this because there are things in this video that you're seeing that stir your heart because it is in the deepest places of our heart and our deepest desire. Do you see their longing? They're expressing their longing for this child. They're expressing this desire. You're seeing God's faithfulness come through. You see how they held that baby, how they just kissed him, how they just, they had to put him up to their face. They had to hold him. They called him by name. There's so many things in there. I could talk about this for days. <laughs> There's so many things in there that are so incredibly beautiful that speak to us about the heart of God for us, for you, 
for you, for each of you. As the guy said in this video, he, God wasn't making them just wait an arbitrary number of years for an arbitrary blah, 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 all that stuff. It, it was personal. The details mattered. Who it was mattered. God had a plan. There are ways that babies bond with parents. I love this picture. Our friend Dory Grimard. <laughs> is this person in this room right now? She said this person might even be in here, but... Dory took this picture of this mom and this baby. And I was like, that is perfect. This is what happens between parents and their children. This is what should happen. If it didn't happen, this is what should happen. This kind of closeness. I know when I had my daughter, I wasn't the kind of person that I was the young, I'm the youngest in my family. I didn't have like, you know, I, I didn't babysit. <laughs> I didn't have, you know, other family members younger than me or cousins or whatever. And so when I would sometimes look care, like take care of other people's kids, I was like, this is great. But I was really happy when their parents came to take them home because I was like, I don't really know what to do with you. Um, and I was scared before I had Maria that I wasn't going to be able to love her enough. Because as I said earlier, my mom has loved me so well. I knew what it took <laughs> to be a mom. And I was like, I don't know if I have that. I don't know if I can love her enough. And when she was born and I just looked at her, she wrecked me, totally, totally wrecked me. And she was jaundiced and so she had to go under the lights and she had little gloves on her hands and she had to stay in there and I couldn't hold her at first. And, and I just kept looking at her and weeping and being like, what is happening? I was saying to Jake, what is happening? I don't even know this kid. And she is like wrecking me, like totally. I just couldn't even control myself because of the immense love that I felt for her. And I'm broken and I'm sinful. God and his fatherhood is perfect in every way. And if I can feel that for this little person, how much more does the Father's love extend to me? Does he feel for me and for you? It's so far beyond. It says in the Catechism that parents are sort of the first image of God that we experience. I know, I try to be the best parent that I am, but I'm probably going to have to pay for counseling for my kids when they're older because I fail. You know, we, we all do. Our parents will never get it right. And it says that in the catechism that parents will disfigure the face of God because we're weak, because we're human. But there is no father like God is father. And God wants to shatter every perception that we have of who he is that is false. How often we underestimate his faithfulness, his love, his protection, how little we trust him and we hold back because we've had poor images of who God is because at times when we were growing up, maybe we weren't held like this and looked at like this and had a face that loved us pressed up against us at the right time when we needed it. And God wants to come in and heal those places because he is a good father. He is the perfect father. And he has said to us, I am your father and you are mine. Just even hearing that, like to know, if, you, if I could hear the voice of God say to me, deep in the deepest places, Heather, you're mine. 
Don't we all want that? There's a reason why you want that. There's a desire in you because there's someone who can fulfill it. And that's God the Father. This is sort of the, the, the development, you know, that a lot of women go into. You see at the top, there's like wife and mother, and some people be like, what, oh, I'm single or I'm consecrated. We all have this capacity, even if it's in a spiritual way. Sister Miriam is a spiritual mother to my children, like, totally. And she's, a, she's a wife, she's a spouse of Christ, okay? So this is for everybody. And at every stage, there are things that we need not just biologically, you don't just need to be watered like a plant, but you have spiritual needs, you have psychological and relational needs. And these build blocks as we grow and as we mature. And if some of those things aren't met, you could imagine that certain levels would be tipped and tilted and it wouldn't build a, a firm foundation. And we all have those places. We all have foundational pieces that weren't met properly. And I'm not saying you should start going around pointing a finger and blaming anybody. It's just a reality. I know that even in my best attempts, I will never be able to give my children everything they need at every perfect moment and be present to them and know exactly what they need in that moment. So I've missed things. And I have to ask forgiveness for things. And I desperately need God to fill in the gaps. So all of us have these places that weren't, we weren't given the right things. And God wants to restore those places. He wants to fill in every gap. As a human person, we need to know at a very small age, from the, from the moments that we're born, even in the womb, that we are safe and that it's okay, that we'll be okay. And you hear parents saying stuff like this just automatically, it's okay, it's okay. Your baby doesn't understand what you're saying. It's okay, it's okay, you know? But they, they do know, they may not know your words, but they know your tone, they know your touch, they know everything that goes along with it to reassure them that I'm safe and it's okay. As a young girl, Little girls want to know that they're seen and that they're delightful. I saw this very vividly. Some of you know the story of my three-year-old Maria when she was three. She was upstairs in my mom's room. My mom has big full-length mirrors. My mom and I were doing something and chatting, and Maria was wearing this dress that flared, flared out. You know what that's like for a little girl? They have to show everybody that it flares out. So she's spinning in circles. She's like, Mom! Mom, look, 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 look. Mom, look at me, look. And I kind of glance up for what I'm doing. I go, yeah, I see you. And I go back and I'm chatting. She goes, Mom, no, do you see me? Do you see me, Mom? I'm like, yes, I see you, Maria. She's like, Mom. And it wasn't until I like stopped what I was doing and I looked up and I didn't just glance at her, but I saw her. I said, Maria, I see you. Oh, I see you. You're so beautiful. And she just like lit up, lit right up and kept spinning, of course. <laughs> this desire, it goes beyond just like, hey, I need somebody to notice me. You know, it's deep in the heart of us. And God desires you to know that he sees you. 
that he delights in you and that you are delightful, that everything about you is delightful to him. Even in my kids' weakness, I can look at them and be like, I know what their weaknesses are. I know how many clothes they leave laying around and how they don't get pee in the toilet. I know all those things. It doesn't make them any less delightful. You know what I'm saying? That is not who they are. The things that you don't get right, it's not who you are. God delights in you. The product is that we feel secure. And security is so important in life that we feel a sense of safety and security for every human person. As a young woman, they need to know that I'm a gift and I'm enough. And that's spoken and experienced through parents, through other people. Hopefully they're looking to the right people. But we all know, and many of us have experienced, and we also see it in people that we love when they don't believe that they're a gift and they don't believe that they are enough and where those questions go. A woman needs to know, I know what I'm all about and I have a mission. To know who you are, to know that you have value, to know that you have something to offer to the world, to know that you are good and that you can make an impact. And maturity is the result. This is the emotional maturity that happens. A wife needs to know, I'm fully alive when I offer my femininity to my spouse. And a mother needs to know that I'm fully alive when I give life to my children and to others. And the result is purity. All of these things are necessary as we grow and develop, but the reality is all of us are missing so many of these pieces. And this isn't the point where we go, oh man, <laughs> I don't want to look at this because this just makes me upset. We could look at it that way. Or you could look at it in the sense that you have a God who is so capable of meeting every single need and desire that you've ever had from the moment of your conception. And he knows every single place that that hasn't been spoken into well or experienced well. And he wants to bring restoration and healing there. And he wants to send people into your life that you can behold his face through other people in your community, through spiritual motherhood and fatherhood and friendship and sisterhood. He is a good father. When, we, when I look at this list, I go, oh yeah, totally. This is like, you, say, you go to these words, yeah, yeah, I want to feel that. Yes, yes, I want all, all of those things. It's because it's in our hearts, it's written into who we are. There are things that need to happen, as we saw in that video. This child didn't grow in, in a womb where they were wanted. So there's ways that these new parents who are adopting the child from the video we saw, where they need to bond and they need to attach to the child and the child needs to attach to them. This parental bonding that we see with babies, there's some key elements that we can look at that you know, as we think about them, it's pretty obvious that, oh yeah, that's true. 
So provision is one of them. People study this, you know, all kinds of psychologists study what brings about bonding between parents and children. Provision is one of those things. And there was a doctor of psychology, Dr. McNamara, who said, it's the ex- provision is like the experience of coming home and your mom has made you your favorite meal and you just get to sit and receive and enjoy and you don't have to do anything and she just offers and gives to you and you just get to enjoy it. That's what provision feels like. That's an experience of it, that she's going to take care of it all. I can see that in my own children. They love that when I do that for them. They just soak it right up. This is a way that children know I'm going to be provided for. I'm okay. I don't have to do it all by myself. Somebody cares and sees me and knows what my needs are. The words. Words are so important. Something my husband has done that we've talked about a little bit before is that ever since our children were born, from the moment that they were born and he held them, he started to whisper these, we call them secrets, to them about who they are and about his love for them. You're so beautiful, Maria. I love you so much. I'm never going to leave you, Maria. You're so lovely. And he has been doing this ever since they were tiny babies. And still, Maria's 15. Jake will still sometimes remind her of the truth of who she is. He may not hold her like a tiny baby. That might be awkward at this point. But definitely both of us speak the truth to our children. And our words matter. And we all know that, that words matter. Words can make it or break it in relationships. But they have to be followed up with other things. Proximity and being close. And if we just take those three and we apply them not just to our parents or our experience of parents or our parenting of children and we apply them to God, isn't that interesting? To think about if we want to bond with God, we have to have an experience of him, an experience of his provision for us. And if you wonder sometimes, why can't I grow in intimacy with God? Why I go to church, I try to pray, I feel like I'm doing all the right things, I jump through this hoop, this hoop, this plus this should equal this, but it never quite happens that way. The things that I'm talking about can sometimes, if we reflect on them, reveal why there might not be intimacy there. Because we haven't bonded or attached to God in the right ways. We haven't had the experience of hearing his voice speak his words to us. We haven't sat with scripture and let his words just penetrate our heart. We haven't sat with him and really depended on him for provision, to provide for our every need, We haven't had the experience of proximity and being close. Maybe we've spent our whole life feeling like God is far, far away. And he's just looking down on us, sort of watching it happen. God wants to radically shatter all of those experiences and perceptions that we have. Because he wants to bond with us because that's how intimacy happens. He used this analogy for a reason. He revealed himself as your father for a reason. He isn't just a father. He's your father. And you are his. You belong to him. I want to move into the second stage, which is marriage. 
marriage is the other way that God has sort of revealed the relationship that he wants to have. And this is such a broken area for so many of us. This is hard for some people. They just go, eh, I don't want to talk about that part. I like the babies better. <laughs> because maybe you've had parents that have divorced or people close to you that relationships have fallen apart or maybe you've experienced that yourself. Brokenness in something that is supposed to be till death do us part forever. God's plan for marriage is that a husband and a wife would come together and they would become one. And there would be fruit from their love. And that there would be intimacy. And he uses this analogy, if you read the Song of Songs, like he's not messing around. <laughs> he desires deep intimacy with us. But it's been so messed up because of our experiences of our sexuality, our experiences in the world, the way that society has bombarded us with pornography and all kinds of messed up images of what marriage is all about. That it's more based on feelings and pleasure than it is about two people coming together and offering the deepest parts of themselves to one another where they don't hold back anymore and everything is revealed and they look at the other and they say, I love you. Like, like that scene that we saw from Pride and Prejudice, except for real, right? <laughs> for real. That's why we love that. That's why it stirs that in your heart. Every woman is in here going, hmm, when they see that. Oh, so dreamy. I wish I had that guy. You know, or whatever. Or my guy would walk through like that and say those exact words. It's like, can somebody tell my husband to say those exact words, but really mean it? <laughs> There's something in our hearts that's stirred. Last year we showed, you know, some videos of, or the year before, videos of like love story, you know, developing. And every woman in the place was like, oh, so good. There's a lot of squealing going on because of the desire. So we want to look past, oh, that feels good, that's so cute, he's so hot, he's so cute, like whatever it might be. We want to look past all those things and get to something deeper. We desire to be loved and known and seen for who we are and cherished. And that we could make a gift of ourselves to another and they could make a gift of themselves to us that it would be this equal reciprocation that's occurring. And this is the relationship that God desires to have with us. One of the things I love is the image of the veil. And there's a scripture about that. In Matthew 27, it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The other translation is that the veil was torn in two. When we look at a wedding, you know, in the traditional wedding, you would have a bride come in and she has a veil over her face. You can't see her. And who gets to lift the veil? The groom. The groom is the one who gets to lift, look behind the veil and see her, and see everything. Those are the most beautiful moments, right, in a wedding when the groom sees the bride. <clears throat> God wants us to look at this as an image for his love for us too. You know, in the Old Testament, when this veil that they talk about, this curtain in the temple, apparently 
It wasn't just like, you know, this kind of curtain, like a little flowy curtain. It was massive. It was 60 feet tall and like 30 feet wide and like four to six inches deep. This was a huge barrier. And inside the veil, on the other side of the veil, was the Holy of Holies. It was God's presence. But nobody could go in there except for the high priest. And they would like tie something around him with a little bell. And if he went in and he died, they couldn't even go in and get him. They just had to drag him out. They just know if the bell stopped ringing, he was, <laughs> they had to pull him out. Because nothing unholy could enter into the Holy of Holies. Nothing unclean could enter in there. Nobody down here could enter in there. You had to be the high priest only. So when we look at the crucifixion, we see Jesus who actually is completely unveiled. Like he, he didn't wear anything around his waist. In crucifixion, they were completely stripped naked. So we have the savior of the world who completely strips himself naked and he says, this is my body that I'm giving up for you. And everything, every ounce of breath, everything that he, he took upon his shoulders, the weight of our sin. And he died and he gave his whole life for you. And he held nothing back. There were no barriers anymore. And so when that veil tore in two, the curtain in the temple, when it tore in two, God is trying to communicate, I don't want any more barriers between us. There are no more barriers. Because when Jesus died, he got the keys and he opened up a gate for us into heaven. For real. This isn't like a pearly gate. This isn't like some cheesy story. This is for real. We now have access to heaven because of the sacrifice that Jesus made because he died and offered his whole self for us. And why did he do that? so that he could tell you, hey, here's all the things that you better get right so that you make it in. <laughs> no. No. He made this gift of himself because he wants to be with you forever. That he said, I cannot bear that you are separated from me. I cannot bear it. You belong to me. I'm going to fight for you. I'm coming after you. And he speaks this through the Old Testament. I am coming after you, and I will not leave you there because you will not be separated from me because I love you. I love you so much that I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. I'm going to take all the pain that is separating you and me, and I'm going to take it because I want to be with you forever. The unveiling of a bride is similar to what God wants to do with us. He has already unveiled himself. But it takes two in a marriage, doesn't it? It doesn't make sense if one person reveals themselves and the other person sort of just stands there from a distance. It takes a response, right? Now, right now, don't let the world mess with you with the things I'm talking about all the messed up things that society spills about relationships, just, just don't go there. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something pure. We're talking about pure love that you, your heart is burning for. It's not burning for all that crap out there. It's not burning for all that fake stuff that we see. It's, it's burning for this. God 
is inviting us. He's saying, can I lift the veil? Sister Miriam was talking about that this morning. And God is saying to you, would you let me lift your veil? Would you allow me to see you for who you really are? The reality is he already knows, doesn't he? But he wants us to respond. He wants us to give our yes to him. Because this is how intimacy happens. It doesn't just happen if one person wants intimacy and the other person doesn't. It doesn't happen. It takes the gift and the reciprocity of the gift. I wanted to show this video of when grooms first see their bride. Get another tissue. Um, Because I want to show it to you because there's something about that moment. There might be a lot of stuff about a wedding that's like bridezilla and (laughs) the whole thing, okay? And there might be a lot of details and a lot of fluff and a lot of whatever. But at, at most weddings where you have two people that love each other, this moment, you can't fake this moment when you see each other and there's this knowing that I'm about to give my whole self to you forever. And I'm about to receive your whole self forever. And there's a knowing between the two that there is gonna be complete gift that happens in the marriage vows forever. And we see that in the vows. Do you give yourself freely, totally, faithfully, fruitfully, and that is the love that images God's love for us. So as you watch this little video, yes, it's cute, it's super cute, but I also want you to think about being seen and the unveiling and the desire and the image that God has given for us. Brene Brown, who studies uh, vulnerability and intimacy and connection, she says that there can be no intimacy, emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, physical intimacy, without vulnerability. One of the reasons there is such an intimacy deficit today is because we don't know how to be vulnerable. It's about being honest with how we feel, about our fears, about what we need. Vulnerability is the glue that holds intimate relationships together. If you desire intimacy with God, which we all do, or why would you be here? (laughs) You do. It takes vulnerability. It takes a willingness to let the veil be removed, to be seen by him, and also to see him as the lover, as the father, to allow ourselves to bond and attach to him as a father, to allow all the places that have been wounded, the desires that have been unmet, to be filled by the one who can meet every one of those desires perfectly. You can see how it doesn't just cut it to have an intimate relationship with God by just showing up at Mass on Sunday and then going and doing whatever after. 
Because it's so much more than that. It's relationship. It's powerful. It matters. The deepest relationships you have in your life don't just happen because sometimes you chat with each other or you text. They happen through time. They happen through touch. They happen through words. They happen through being close to each other. They happen through affection. And they happen through vulnerability. So as we sit here desiring an intimate relationship with God, this gives us just a few, there's so many more things we can talk about. In no way am I telling you this is exactly what has to happen and then equals <laughs> intimacy. God desires a unique relationship with you that's going to look different than my relationship, different than your relationship and yours. Because you are unique, and the way that you will talk to him and the way that he will talk to you is unique, and he has a unique plan for you, and he has a mission for you, and he has a joy-filled life for you, and he has good things for you. And how will you ever know if you can't hear him, if you don't know his voice, if you can't feel his heartbeat? How would you trust him if you don't know deep in your bones that he is good and that he has good things for you? God wants to rip apart all of the false masks that you may have put on him and look at him through or a veil that you have. He wants to break that all apart so that you can see who he really is. And will you allow yourself to be seen by him? We are going to move into a time of adoration and what is more fitting than to have the Lord reveal himself to us in the most personal way. And then even more, tomorrow at Mass, you will become one with him, and he will be one with you in the most intimate way. So tonight, I just want to encourage you that as, as the Lord comes into the room, and if you're struggling with that, we're just going to pray. You know, I just want you to pray for the gift of faith. that you would bring before him all of the places that have been in hiding. That you would look at him and you, he would, you would let him look at you. <clears throat>